Welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And this passage of Scripture makes it very clear that our faith in Jesus Christ is a progression. And the more we grow, the more our fruitful our lives become. It's a progression of faith. And this, is, this passage of Scripture is so powerful. And there's three parts to this passage of Scripture that I want us to unlock. But firstly, I just wanna ask, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you growing or slowing? Are you growing or slow, slowing? And if we're not growing, then we need to come into remembrance of all that's been made available to us and what we and how we should respond. So the title to what I've been sharing today, and I think Pastor Chris just nailed it on the head as he uh, invited everyone in in prayer. It's all about our identity traits. So our title is Identity Traits. And we're gonna start with verse one. It says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ like how he identifies himself. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Saviour. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvellous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So Peter summarises the great benefits we have received in knowing God through faith in Jesus Christ. He's fully equipped us to follow the example of Jesus, His glory, His goodness and His excellence. We're not missing anything here this morning. Everything that we need to live this life He has called us to has already been given to us. We have already received it. Through faith in Jesus, we can participate right now in God's divine nature. Isn't that awesome to think that? That we have the nature of Christ. We've got His nature. We're made in His image. That's our identity. That's our real identity. We have been freed from the corruption of sin caused by human desires. Man, I needed that, don't you? That's our character. That's our kingdom character. And we have been commissioned to partner with Christ in fulfilling God's purpose on earth. That's where fruitfulness comes into it. That's what we're commissioned and called to do. See, these two verses that we've just read is actually God's part. All we need is just to respond and receive what God's already given us through the faith in Jesus Christ, the knowledge of what Christ has done for us. We are partakers of Christ's divine nature. We have His identity. 
We have the character of Christ embedded in our spirit. By His divine power, we have all we need to live this life He has called us to. I want us to understand this because unless we can fully comprehend this, we can't go any further. See, because all of this is fantastic, but I hear what you're saying. What does that mean for me today? Why is it that sometimes I wrestle with my thoughts? I wrestle with my actions when I I know I've been given God's nature, but why is it that I wrestle with that? I'm glad you asked the question because that's exactly what I'm gonna share with you. Why is it that I'm not fully doing what God's called me to do and I'm not receiving all His joy and love that I know that He's already given me? Why do some continue to struggle with the same sin and corruptive human desires that we've been freed from? We've actually been freed from it. Well, I believe the next two verses will give us the answer. Are you ready for it? Verse five, he says, in view of all this, in view of all this, in, in view of the fact that you already have God's divine nature, you have already received His grace. You have already been free from the corruption of sin because it's been wiped out on the face of the earth when Jesus died on the cross for you and you received Him as your Saviour and Lord. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort. That takes work, church. And some of us don't like to hear that. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence or good character. And moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and with brotherly affection with love for everyone. Love for everyone, for everyone. See, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, you're saying, that sounds easy, but how do I apply it in my life? See, Peter is saying, now, people of God, now children, children of God, this is your part to do. See, the first part was God's part that He already made available to us. It's up to us to respond and make every effort to respond this way. This is your part. This is our part. This is my part. Since those virtues and qualities have already been planted in our lives, we need to make every effort to respond the right way. And I'm thankful for the Lord that when we don't, we can confess our sins and He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness because none of us have attained it. We're all on this journey of sanctification. We've been justified by faith, but we are going through a place of sanctification to be glorified. Amen. See, your moral compass, your character, as it becomes, uh, as, as we focus on our moral compass, it becomes a domino effect where all these other qualities and virtues just simply respond to the character of Christ that He's placed within us. Verse eight says that the more you grow like this, the more you grow like this, 
the more productive and useful you will be in pursuing Jesus Christ more intimately. See, the number one identity trait that we must respond to is respond to God's gift of grace. For by grace, we have been saved through faith. We gotta respond to His divine nature and His power that's been available to us. And through His grace, we have been given all we need to live like Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? We've got everything we need to live like Jesus, but we actually need to respond and actually use the gift, this precious gift that God has given us. And actually that means we gotta work on it. We gotta work on these qualities. We gotta work on these virtues. We gotta develop the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And the more we work on it, the more we make every effort to work on it, the more fruitful our lives will be. But if we ignore it and think we're never going to get there, then we're not, we're, we're not responding to what's already we have been received by God to get. See, before we had received God's gift of grace, His divine power, we lacked both the ability and the desire to pursue this. But now that we have received the gift of God's grace, now that we have received His divine power, we can actually walk in the manner that God has called us to because He's given it to us. He's empowered us to live this way. But He does tell us to make every effort to follow alongside our faith these qualities. In other words, simple, we must begin to live as if what we really believe is really true. That's simple. We must really live what we believe is really true. If God has given us this divine nature, if we are a child of God and if we are truly made in His image, if His grace is sufficient for us and He's freed us from all the sins of our past and when we confess in in true repentance, He has forgiven us, we can live this life He's called us to. See, by faith we came to Christ. Now with Christ's power, we must work to add goodness to our faith and to the knowledge to our goodness. Our faith and knowledge of Christ must be growing because if it's not growing, it's slowing. And it starts by meditating on His Word and responding to the voice of your conscience, the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that actually impacts your mind. See, when we got born again, we know this, right? We, we became a brand new person. We got a brand new spirit. God shined His light in us and we're a brand new spirit, but God didn't renew our minds. That's up to us to do. It's up to us to actually allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. The Holy Spirit impacts your mind. Your mind impacts your emotions. Your emotions impact your choices and your choices impact your actions and your actions impact your destiny. I'll read that again, shall I? The Holy Spirit impacts your mind. 
Your mind impacts your emotions and your emotions impact your choices and your choices impact your actions and your actions impacts your destiny. See, this morning, this is not just an inspirational message. This is a teaching and preaching message because what we need in the church today is more teaching and preaching so we can live the life that God has called us to do. See, everything begins and ends with the Spirit of God. It started back in Genesis 1 where the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth and it ends and begins here. It's by the Spirit. Romans 5.5 says, And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. This gracious gift is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God's cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It's the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we can live this life of love and out of this life of love, the fruit of the Spirit just flows out. Some of you are saying, yeah, 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 that's right. So Peter here and then bookends this passage of Scripture with affirming our identity and reminding us of what Christ has actually done for us. Again, we sung that song for what you have done for us, Lord. But do we really comprehend fully what He has done for us? Because until we do, until we understand our real identity, we'll keep falling back into the old habits. Verse 9 says, But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. I love it also how the message puts it this way. He says, without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. You are oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Oh, for some of us, we're so thankful, we're so grateful that our old sinful life has been wiped off the books. See, the enemy of our soul wants to remind us of our past and even our present failures. But my God, my Bible tells me that His goodness and His mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, when I started this journey in seeking God intimately in my prayer life, in the earlier years, I would literally get myself into my prayer closet, into, the, into where my clothes are, my wardrobe, and I make a little prayer closet there. But I found myself, the more I tried to seek God, the more I tried to walk with Him intimately, I had this voice telling me, who do you think you are? And these flashbacks of all the things I've done wrong, came to me and shame and guilt was riddling me to the point where I questioned whether I should come in because I felt like I wasn't worthy to be in His presence. See, the devil doesn't use any new tricks. He's the one that comes to seal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. It finally dawned on me, this is not the voice of the Good Shepherd. Romans 8.1 says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So as it finally dawned on me, I recognised, aha, I know what you are. You are the accuser of the brethren. And I reminded him where he was under my feet and that my sins have been blotted out in the sea of forgetfulness. 
and that I could come right in and receive all that God had already provided for me to the place where I could come right into His presence. And the more I spent time with Him, the more I became like Him. Because that's what the enemy wants. He wants to rob you of this Christ-like character that you've already received, you just need to respond to. But how many of us know it's who we worship is what we become. And so who you worship is what you'll become. The more you hang around Jesus, you become like Jesus. So now when the devil tries to remind me of my past, even with my family used to try and remind me of my past, I actually remind him of his future and where he's going. Some of us, you need to hear that this morning. Because everything begins and ends by the Spirit of God, but it also means that we need to understand that the enemy is a deceiver. He started in Genesis when he told Eve, "Who, if you take this tree, you will be like God. But how many of us know that she was already like God? She didn't need to partake of that tree and that robbed her of her intimacy and her relationship with the Lord. So it starts with knowing our identity. He said, look what's before you and remind, remember that we have been cleansed from our old sinful nature. We got to stop looking at the rear vision mirror of our past. And we got to look what's ahead of us. Otherwise we'll be oblivious to what already God has done for us. See, condemnation comes from the enemy, but conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, He's a loving He responds as a loving Father and He gently convicts us, but He does that to protect us and help us grow in our faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. Did someone get something this morning? So Peter finishes it by saying, it's not from your own strength, but by His grace. And Paul understood that. Paul knew, understood fully what he had been forgiven from. And he lived by grace. And through being given his divine nature and divine power, we understand that our sins have been blotted out. Verse 10 says, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. So we don't have an excuse to say, well, this is just who I am. This is my lot. No, we don't. Because we have been given a brand new spirit. We have the character of Christ in us and God has given us a purpose to be fruitful and multiply. He has given us the responsibility to work hard, take ownership, take dominion, take territory and make every effort to work on what has already been made available to us to confirm and validate that we are called and chosen and be fruitful. So in order for that, we can receive the fulfilment of all that's been given to us through our salvation experience. See, our salvation experience is just not just to make it to heaven. If that's what you're thinking, that you've made Him your Saviour, but you haven't made Him Lord. Our salvation experience is to obtain all the promises that are in His Word so we can live this abundant life He's called us to. Through the good, the bad and the ugly, we will walk through the promises of God and we'll obtain it by faith in Jesus' Name. He finishes off in verse 11. 
He says, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Peter is saying here, you have been given the ability to live this life of faith bearing fruitfulness. Now use it. Now use it. See, the fruit of our salvation experience is actually a transformed life that bears greater fruit. It begins with knowing who our real identity comes from and responding to the qualities and the virtues alongside our faith. See, the second thing we got to look at in our identity trait is, is a life that reflects Christ. Are we reflecting Christ? See, an inward transformation must reflect our outward manifestation. And that's why in everything I do, I look for the fruit in my life. And if the fruit is not there, then I have to deal with the root. If we look at the fruit of our lives, am I bearing fruit in this area of my life? If not, maybe I need to look at the root. If I don't have friendships, what am I doing? If I'm not loving everyone, where's the root from this? What's this that I'm carrying, this unforgiveness, this hurt, this wound, and I gotta deal with the root? See, nothing is more attractive than a life that reflects Christ. Now, supreme purpose on this earth is to know Him and make Him known. And we have the ability, you and I, as, as, as children of God, to compel people to Christ or repel people from Christ. I'm actually a, a living example here today through my friend Sue, who lived and loved me all the way through salvation. I stand here today because she was a woman that compelled me to Christ. I wanted what she had. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, where He first preached a message, He called it the Sermon of the Mount. Some people call it the Beatitudes, both are right. And He was teaching people how to live. See, I think sometimes, you know, we forget that we still have to respond the right way in a situation. And as He starts off with Jesus teaching the disciples, but the crowds were all present and He was teaching them about the Beatitudes of life about virtues and qualities. And as the crowd were listening in, that was a message for all of us, just like we are in church today. We're all on a journey, every single one of us. But He was teaching the disciples, but the crowds were listening intently because He was inviting them in to take hold of what He's already made available to them. And He was teaching on the Kingdom of God. And He starts by saying in Matthew chapter 5, and I won't read all of it through time. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realise the need for the Kingdom of Heaven is theirs. And He goes on to talk about what God blesses. Because one of God's divine nature, His part nature, His divine nature is always inclusive. God is not exclusive. That's why Jesus Christ died for everyone. And just as I mentioned, we are all on a journey, every single one of us. Some of us have been walking this journey for many, many years and some of us are just beginning on this journey. That is God. He is a God of inclusion. And even though as Christians, that doesn't make us more important than a non-Christian. But the fact that Jesus is different 
makes us different, right? Because that's the paradox. Because Jesus is different, we are different. And we are, the distinction from the world to the church should be different. We should be walking differently. God, God sent His Son to die for everyone. Jesus loves everyone exactly the same. But if we have the life of Christ on the inside of us, we've been given the divine nature of God. We've been given His power, His grace to walk this walk. Then we should be walking differently. Jesus followed on from the Beatitude and talked to us about being salt and light. Straight from the Beatitudes, straight from the message of our character, of what we should be living out. Then He starts talking about who we are. Again, addressing that we are salt and life, our identity. And we pick it up in verse 13 and He says to us, You are the salt of the earth. Wow. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16 says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We don't want our good deeds to shine so we can, so we can everyone shine on us. We wanna shine Jesus so that we can point people to Jesus. Jesus makes this profound statement to His disciples. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now in those times, salt was used for preservation and they put salt on meat to preserve the meat because it would rot and decay. We're so grateful these days that we have something called a fridge or a freezer that we don't have to use that. But salt is also used and we use it for today to make things taste better. And so, you know, that taste sometimes, if some of us, we put too much salt, it can make us thirsty. And salt is used for that very reason, to stop the rot and the decay and to make people, for th- people thirsty for the one we worship. That's why He says, you are the salt of the earth. There needs to be a distinction between the world and a follower of Christ. And we can't make excuses. I love the way the Passion Translation says, don't put it off anymore. Don't put it off anymore. You have received His divine nature. You are identified in Him. The grace of God is in you. You just need to respond on the promises of God and believe what you have read and walk in the promises of God. You are the light of the world. Light is for vision. Likewise, He's saying the world is dark and is need of light. People need to see hope. They need to see a future. And I'm so thankful that God says that He's given us a plan for our life. It's not for disaster. It's a hope and a future. See, Jesus is making this metaphor because the point is, He's trying to say to us, we, the church, are the salt and the light. We are a city on a hill. And who is the church? We are the church. We are the people of God. 
The church is not a religious institution. The church of Jesus Christ is the people of God existing as the light of the world. And the best invitation to church is to be the invitation where we're walking and talking and we're becoming the embodiment of Jesus Christ on the face of the earth. That's the fruitfulness of our salvation experience, of our inward transformation, our outward manifestation, that we are the walking, talking embodiment of Jesus Christ. He said, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Our identity reflects our character and our character reflects our behaviour. See, your identity is a gift God gives you. God's done His part. But our responsibility is to reflect the image you've been given. And this is not to condemn us. None of us have attained it. We are all going through this sanctification process. But many of us, including myself, need to be reminded that God's done His part. He's done it once and for all. We don't have to walk around with shame and guilt over our lives. We can walk free this morning knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our unrighteousness because the breastplate of righteousness is on us as we keep the armour of God in our forefront. He said, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can I say this in a loving, corrective, pastoral way? And God is speaking to me just as much as speaking to you. We got to get off our blessed assurance. We got to get off our tushy. You and I, we are partakers of God's divine nature. We are empowered by His grace. The Spirit of God is in you. What you experienced today in worship was the Spirit of God hovering over us, speaking to us individually that only He can do and giving us a hope and a future and reminding us that we are the salt of this earth. We are the light of this world. We gotta stop waiting for someone else to do it. We are called to do it. So we can be the walking, talking embodiment of Jesus Christ, helping the lost and the broken, carrying His geographical presence wherever we go. Because see, nothing will grow you more in your faith than knowing that you are called to be salt and light, useful and productive. So we've got to stop making excuses about our short failings and saying, I can't help it. It's an addiction. I can't help it because, you know, I can't break this. No, you can't do it in your own strength, but by His grace, you can do it. By His grace, you can do it. And lastly, identity trait. The third one, we're called to reproduce, go and make disciples as we become the salt and the light to this earth and to this world, we're to go and make disciples. You know, that whole discipleship process started in Genesis 1 again, because how many of us know that Genesis is the seedbed of all revelation? If you know what God intended for you, it began in the book of Genesis. And He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion over this earth, not over people, over the earth. That word fruitful and multiply. In other words, Adam and Eve reproduce sons and daughters of God. And we know a little bit further on that Adam and Eve blew it. Eve was deceived, Adam sinned. That's what I say. (laughs) Adam disobeyed. And so God had to send a second Adam, which was Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't get married like some of the world says. 
Jesus reproduced through the seed of God's Word. And you and I have the seed of God's Word on the inside of us. That's how we produce. So we teach people through the Word of God and the seed of God's Word goes into their heart. They become born again. That's God's part. But our part is to teach and preach the Word of God and teach Him in the ways of God and how to live according to the Word of God. See, character is developed through discipleship. There's no fast tracking here. A disciple is somebody who passionately pursues Christ, but purposely produce Christ followers. See, the Great Commission is to be fruitful and multiply, is to be reproduced, reproducing. And that's why the example of Jacob was so profound. And one last example before we close. The story of Lazarus. We see again here that God does His part, but we must do our part. God raised Lazarus from the dead. And as he came out of that tomb in those grave clothes, Jesus said to his disciples, loose him and let him go. That's what you and I are called to do. You and I are called to set people free. You and I are called to teach people through the seed of God's Word to reproduce and set the captives free. That's why we can't put it off. We can't, God has stopped making excuses for what we don't wanna do and make every effort to work hard on the qualities and virtues of the character of Christ that has already been made available to us. Anyone agree with me? The rest is for us to respond. They need to distinguish between light and darkness. And you and I are called to be salt and light. This is our real identity. And just quickly recapping for those who are taking notes. Identity trait number one, respond to God's gracious gift. Respond to His goodness. Accept God's part and respond to yours because we have everything we need to live this life that He's called us to. Secondly, we are here to reflect Christ. We are here to be salt and light to this world. That means we need to be different to the world. We need to stand out. We need to be like a city on a hill and let our good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise their Heavenly Father. And lastly, we're called to reproduce. We're called to go and make disciples. That's powerful, don't you think? That God has entrusted us to go do that. He says, I've done everything. Now you must go. And this was Jesus' last words here on earth to us. And I think if it's His last words that we need to make priority, don't you think? If it was His first words in Genesis and His last words to us, then we should respond to that. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.